But to the degree that we are willing to submit to him, that's the degree of what he will release, the authority and power that was given over to Satan, but regained by Jesus, given to the church of the living God. And so it's that pursuit that we should be going after, not that we're going after God's power, but we're going after God's will and God's way of getting things done in the earth because in the end, everybody has to give an account to the Lord. Hallelujah. For the way we have lived and for the deeds that we have done in the body. It's not a scare tactic. It's just a living reality. So we take our walk and relationship with God serious. We understand that it's okay to enjoy life. It's okay to have fun in life. But keep it in its proper place, proper perspective, understanding that this is subject to the authoritative will of Almighty God being executed in the earth. This is fun. This is serious. Amen? And, and even God has a sense of humor, if you will, where he will laugh people into derision for their rebellion against him. That's God's side of humor. To the degree that they, yeah, God said, uh-huh, I'm going to laugh you into derision, if you will. So with that being said, uh, I know you have your Bible with you. Let's open it up to the good book of Genesis. Since we're in January, which is for us in the United States of America and many parts of the world, the first month of the year, according to the Gregorian calendar, if you will, and this happens to be January the 20th in 2020. Let's begin with some of the beginning. We won't go back to Genesis chapter 1, but we will go to Genesis chapter 12 and then Genesis chapter 13. And you can say amen when you get there. Now, tomorrow, and I, I won't labor on this very long, uh, tomorrow we will conclude our uh, 20 days of fasting, 20 minutes of prayer. And I thank each and every one of you. We do from the depths of our heart for everyone that participated in it. For those who didn't, if you didn't, it, it, we're not condemning anybody. It's just a missed opportunity. And you don't want to keep living life that way of missed opportunities. It, it's, it's an opportunity for what? It's an opportunity for you to get closer to God, which many of us say that we want to do. It's an opportunity to get stronger in God. It's an opportunity to spend more time with God. Because if you can't spend 20 minutes with God in a day, then you really need some help. If 20 minutes a day seems like a lot to you to be spending time in the presence of God or to be praying, then you really need some help. That means you probably pray less than the average person or, for that sake, even the average minister who only spends like maybe five or six minutes of prayer each day with the Lord. And I'm not saying that to be demeaning or derogatory, but it's a, it's a living truth. So if the preachers are only spending maybe five minutes, six minutes in prayer. You can imagine how many minutes the people of God are spending in time and in prayer. And God says the priest should always possess knowledge and the priest should always be doing their ministry, which is to minister unto the Lord as priest. Amen? 
This fellowship, this relationship with God is really real. It's his sons and daughters that are responding to him. The world may not see him, but we not only see him, we know him. Hallelujah. We see him and know him in our hearts. We don't have to physically see him. We know that he exists. We know that he is spirit. And because he is spirit and we've been born again, we can say we are spirit. The only thing is, is that we have a natural body to live in this earth. God has a spiritual body, but he's just as real as myself standing before you or you sitting in those seats or standing before me. He's just that real. He communicates to us. He communicates to us through his word. He communicates to us by our spirit and in our communion and fellowship with him. He communicates to us through others of his own sons and daughters. Or he can even speak through a donkey, if you will, if God needs to get a message across to you in order to bring us to our place, bring us to our senses to realize that he's real, he's alive, and he's well. Amen? And so uh, we want to... In starting off this year, 2020, we want to get off to a good start, and we want to finish it strong. And whatever we were lacking in 2019, we don't want to lack no more. If we were shallow in our walk with God, if we were as that seed where the seed sower who, who, who merely uh, preaches the word and he scatters the seed and the seed falls on the soil... Uh, the birds immediately come and snatch it, and Jesus says the translation of that is because the person didn't have understanding of the word, and because they didn't have understanding, and they didn't make any pursuit or any efforts in trying to get understanding, the birds come and snatch it away immediately, which means Satan comes and steals that word away. If we don't think the word is important to us, uh, Satan does. So if Satan thinks that the word of God is important to us and God knows that the word of God is important to us, how important is it to us? Jesus said this. What did he say? He said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. That's how important God's word is. When Jesus taught us to pray, he said, uh, give us this day our daily bread. And in that, it's like, give us this day. In other words, this very day. Give us that which is necessary. Give us our portion. Give us our sustenance. And the word itself is like manna, bread from heaven to us. Surely we need natural food for these earthly bodies or tabernacles. We can fast up to a certain uh, extent of time, if you will. But on a regular basis, we need to put food in our body in order to live and to be healthy, if you will. And so if we need that with the natural substance of bread, if you will, which is essentially what Jesus was talking about, our natural food for the day. Uh, how much more for the spirit that the bread of life, the manna from heaven, that we would need that on a daily basis, which means something has to go on in the individual's life who names the name of the Lord on a consistent daily basis. And that is the intake of God's word, which not only transforms our minds, renews our minds, causes us to think God's thoughts because prior to it, we didn't know God's thoughts and God's thoughts were not our thoughts. 
prior to coming to the saving knowledge of the truth, we didn't know God's ways and we didn't do God's ways. And so God told us through Jeremiah, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are my ways your ways. No, through Isaiah. As high as the heavens are, so are my thoughts above your thoughts, my ways above your ways, vice versa, if you will. And, and so the thing of it is, is like God is like, hey, I'm saving you not to dwell in the land of ignorance and not to live the same life you were living before. I came that you can have life more abundantly. I came to make life better for you. But in order for life to get better for you, you're going to have to change your ways. You're going to have to amend your ways. He says, I am the Lord. I don't change. I created you in my image and for my glory and great name's sake. After my likeness, I gave you dominion. I gave you the mastery over this creation of earth that I've created, over everything. Everything is subject to you. That's how I designed it. And I gave it to you to be responsible to maintain it, to keep it and guard it and protect it. But the first man gave it up, but the second man got it back. And what he got back is what I want to get you into. For my great name's sake, that you may bear my image and bear my likeness so those who are in darkness can see as I spoke time and time again through my prophet Ezekiel, then they shall know that I am God. Ah! Yeah! And when people see you, they ought to know, who? Who? Not you, God. But now they should know that he is God, because he reigns and rules in the earth. Amen. Let the church say amen. Yeah, you'd be glad that you're a child of God. You'd be glad that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. You'd be glad to bear his image and his likeness. You'd be glad to display his glory. You'd be glad to reveal the handiwork of God on the inside of you, making you a display, a public display of his glory and power and might of what he is able to do when someone comes to him and they humble themselves and they submit to his authority and rule and let the Master do a masterwork, creating a masterpiece that reflects him and glorifies him and is glad to do so. Hallelujah. Praise God. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of God. I don't dread coming to the house of God. It's not a burden coming to the house of God. Ain't nothing to compete with coming into the house of God and fellowshipping with those who are like precious faith, except for going into the secret place, the prayer closet, my Self. Ha! Praise God, because he will meet us there if we will go there to meet him. Okay, that's kind of like an introduction. But in the beginning, we see how, thing, how God laid things out, and he laid them out for our good and for our benefit. And I'm so thankful that we have the history of God's story of creation, what his original intent was, and what happened, and what he's done to correct it, and how it's going to end up. Hallelujah. I'm not just living this short span. I've been blessed to be able to live 60 years on this earth, and I don't know how many more years. I just believe God for at least another 28. Amen? Now, if I get beyond that, praise God, I'm going to shout hallelujah. If I get less than that, I'm still ready. I'm still ready to go meet my maker. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Saints don't have to fear death. 
Saints don't have to go into a mental state of depression and oppression as a result of death. When a saint goes home, we can rejoice and it not be considered as rude or insensitive or just wrong. No, we can rejoice because a brother and sister has gone on to be in the presence of God. It hurts because that's how precious life is. And I believe that that's ordained by God. We should know how precious God is. We live in a society where violence has gone mad. The sword is the sword of violence is all over the land. And people kill each other, one another, without any hesitation or any, if you will, feeling. They're so disrespectful now. They will go into a funeral and carry out vengeance. They can care less. They can plan a murder and then carry it out and then think nothing of it. That's how desensitized we become. But for the individual whose heart was open towards that loved one who died, or if the individual themselves died and those who were around them, their hearts, they, they feel a grief. They feel a hurt. They feel a loss, if you will. But for the child of God, who is celebrating another child of God who's gone home. We know that that's not the end. Hallelujah. It hurts, but that's not the end. It's painful, but it ain't over. Hallelujah. Because they're in eternity. They're in a place where gang violence and drugs and alcohol and, you know, crime that runs wild and stuff like that can't even touch them. Praise God. Yeah, they're free. And one day we will join them in victory. So come back. Come back. Chapter 12. And again, we hope, we pray that you enjoyed the 20-day um, the devotionals that came out. And that you can always, because you have them now. They're on your emails unless you deleted them. If you deleted them, well, that's, that's on you. You have to pay $1,000 for the whole 20 now. Because you thought nothing or little of what was sent to you freely uh, if, and if God blessed you and you want to give a seed on that because it really ministered to you, by all means, do something. At least show God some appreciation for what he did during those 20 days. And tomorrow will be the 20th. And it's not the end, but it has, as this devotion came out today, the pattern is set. I'm not trying to be all over the place. I do want to get to chapter 12 and 13 of Genesis but the pattern is established. Science says it takes like anywhere from 21 days. They say a minimum of 21 days. Science says, it's experts say, in order to form a habit, if you will. It can take up to eight months in trying to form a habit, if you will. And so whether it's 21 days or whether it's eight months, don't let either one discourage you. In other words, after 21 days, and then you go back. It's like, no, don't go back. Keep going. Well, I missed. Well, keep going. You keep going until you build that up within you, until it's established in you, until it's concrete, if you will, in you, until it's a natural part of you, until it becomes you and you become it, if you will. You understand what I mean? You keep going. You break old habits that have just kept you down. You break negative thoughts 
negative thought patterns, if you will, that keep you in bondage. You keep going until you experience freedom and deliverance. Minister Keno, them, today, how, how many of you notice there's a difference in the praise? Don't be afraid to say yes. It's not an insult to anything in the past. Things should get better and better and better and better and better. Amen? But you notice a difference. And even as Minister Aquino was, was exhorting during the praise, he talked about celebrating victory. And how they do in sports or how they do in a NASCAR race. They, they, they run an extra lap. They not run, but they drive an extra lap and then they get out, jump on top of their cars and do all kind of crazy things. A football player, after he scores a touchdown, they get into the end zone. They do all kind of crazy things. And, you know, basketball players, when they win their championship, they do crazy things. They get into that locker room. They pop the bottles of champagne. They spray it all over everybody and stuff like that. They get all excited. Why? Because they won. Because they won. That's what victory does to you. Why is this person shouting all that? Because they won. Why is this person running around? Because they won. Why has this person got a joy and a laughter that they didn't have before? Because they won. Something burst through them and brought them into the place of victory. And when you get victory, you're going to celebrate it. Hallelujah. I know the difference between being in bondage and being free. I like being free. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor I'm out of the bottle. Hallelujah. Praise God. I don't know why I just thought about Coco, the clown who's in the ink bottle. I don't know. It's dumb stuff. Memory stuff. Get me out of the fog. Out of the ink. Well, comes Coco, the clown. Let's gather around. Dumb stuff. <laughs> but then it's like, you know, the bottle has been open and you are out and you are free and, and you, you celebrate your victory. So a person who is excited about their walk and relationship with God, don't get mad about it. They, 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 they know that they were bound, but now they're free. It's like the blind man. The blind man was rejoicing in his, he, he, I once was blind, but now I can see. Do you, do you want to be one of his disciples? You're messing with me. I don't know why you're messing with me. You want to follow him? Ha! Oh, praise God. So, y'all calm down. Contain yourself. So we have every day for this 19th day, consistent. Every day you work up, work up. Wake up and, and, uh, and come to uh, an email with the simple message devotion, it won't even take you five minutes to read, maybe two minutes to read, if you will. But if you just chew on it, and you may know some of the things, or there may be some things that you've heard before, but if you just chew on it for manna for today, manna from heaven, as this is going to help me spend some time with God because I'm so in such a rapid pace. I get up, I go through my ritual, and, you know, I do all of these things, and by the end of the day, I try and give some time to God. But if I can just wake up in the morning and instead of going for that first fresh cup of coffee, I can go and get that first email that's come to me from somebody that spent some time with God in order to give me something that I can ponder on, meditate on, that I can think about, that I can read and even share with others. Uh, yeah, what a way to start your day. 
And so it wasn't just one day, but we have now reached the 19th day, and tomorrow is the 20th day. But the thing of it is, is that it doesn't have to end there because the pattern has been set. What do you mean? For 19 days straight, this is what I've been doing. Now, if you didn't do it, nobody's condemning you. Nobody's putting you down. It's just a missed opportunity. And you can't keep going through life missing every opportunity that God brings your way. How many of you heard the story? I, I'm sure it's just a fable or something, some made-up story, if you will, about the man who was, I think he was out in the lake or something, drowning, and a helicopter passed by and trying to extend a ladder to him. And he's like, no, I'm waiting on the Lord. And so then a boat or something passed by, and he's like, no, I'm waiting on the Lord. And then something else happens, and I'm waiting on the Lord. So then he drowns, something like that. He drowns, and then he goes before God and says, God, I was waiting on you. Why didn't you? He says, I sent you a boat. I sent you a helicopter. I sent you your missed opportunities. I sent them to you, but you just missed opportunities. And you can't keep living life like that if you expect life to get different for you or to change. In order for life to change, you're going to have to change. And this is no cycle babble, if you will. God is the one who tells us, I'm the Lord and I change not. If I don't change, somebody's got to change. I'll tell you, it ain't me. <laughs> I, love, I love God. I love his word. <laughs> yeah. Last time I checked, you needed redemption. You needed salvation. You needed healing. You needed deliverance. I don't need none of those. I got it. I can give it. But I don't. You know, that sort of thing. That's the God that we love and serve. But he's loving, kind, and merciful. So we don't want to keep missing these kind of opportunities. We don't know when it's going to come again. We got, we'll be coming up on 50 days leading towards um, Resurrection Sunday. And we'll be seeking God as far as what he wants to do during that time and season, if you will. Um, I think that was in 2008. That's when we did the 40 days of consecration. And every morning, every, yeah, every morning, releasing a word for the saints of God to, to mint, to mint, to, to, to marinate, to minister unto themselves and then minister unto the Lord, if you will, just to receive the teaching on a daily, regular basis. So it's for your own spiritual enrichment, enrichment and edification, if you will. It's for your benefit. And if you read it and you get nothing, well, give it to somebody else. They might get something. Amen. But if you read it and you get something, then take it and run with it. And, and, and from that day forward, from that moment upward, you just continue to, I want to say practice, but you just continue to let that word just emulate, let that word come alive in you, let that word produce. Who was here that Wednesday? Was it a Wednesday night or something when I did the chess thing? I know it was on a Monday night that we did it at QLM, but it's like, you know, the word coming alive in you and it being like fire, it was Wednesday night, being like fire, and it's just like you're... You know, it, Jeremiah said, but his word was in me like fire shut up in my bones. And, and, you know, so the word comes alive in you. And it's like, oh, yeah, praise God. And so you start to move forward in that word. And so you let it come alive in you. You just continue to, 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 to do it, work it every day. Well, I missed a day. We'll pick it up the next day. Hallelujah. God will still be there. Amen. Just don't let it go by the wayside. Just don't, you know, because if you want some results, you're going to have to stick with what you are doing in order to get those results. Amen. So, uh, 
though we will conclude the mornings for a season, and this was a season, 20-day season, uh, you can continue on. Well, what will I do? Well, you, you don't necessarily have to miss a meal every day, but practice fasting one day of the, out of the week. It's a good biblical habit and pattern for the believers to have. We don't fast for the sake of losing weight. And if you notice, now it's becoming popular for people. Now they're using that as part of a diet plan. You have the keto, 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 how do you pronounce it? Keto diet. You have these other kind of diets. You have Nutrisystem. You have uh, Weight Watchers and things like that. And I used to watch that when I wanted to lose some pounds because I would talk about myself before you. Uh, not hiding and not to make anybody feel bad or guilty or anything like that. But I just knew how I felt for me. And, and so um, nothing was going to happen until I did something. And then when I did something, it still seemed like nothing was happening. And so, of course, you can get frustrated with that, but your body is undergoing a change. It's like, wait a minute, we've been eating three meals a day. We've been eating pork. We've been eating, uh, you know, all kind of stuff. We've been eating desserts. We've been eating popcorn. We've been eating, we just eat, we, we, we've been on a seafood diet. Everything we saw, we ate. Now, all of a sudden, you're going to try and change this thing up? Wait a minute, I'm going through withdrawals if you're not going through withdrawals. My the body talks to you like that. <laughs> you may not understand what it's saying to you, but it's, some of you can relate to the conversation. And so the body, it, but then you just have to readjust it and recalculate, recalibrate this thing, if you will, and get it accustomed to, no, this is the way it's going to be, bucko. New sheriff in town, you once ruled, but you're not ruling no more. The spirit is ruling. So... You bring, you take your body through that change, and then all of a sudden you see like, oh, okay. You get on that scale and you start smiling because it's like, yeah, that now we're going in the right direction. Because before I'd stop eating and you still go up, and it's like I don't understand. That. <laughs> Praise God, I I change things up, but you're still going up. Uh, keep it, you know, we, we're still in the realm of the spirit. Okay, amen. All right, uh, so. Eventually, when you start to see the results, and then you just, you just go with it. Because now, all of a sudden, you retrain your brain, your mind, your body. Everything's coming into alignment, and you're seeing the results. And so now, you feel good about what you're doing because you see the results. You're after results, just like God is after fruit. He wants to see some results of everything that he's investing in you as a child of God. If God continues to pour into you, and all, is, all that he gets back is a worldly person, it's like uh, something's not right. Now, you once were a corrupt tree, but I've uprooted the corruptness. I've rooted it out of you. So now you should be a good tree, and a good tree should bear good fruit. A good tree should not be bearing bad fruit. You are like the tree that I have planted by the rivers of water. Your leaves are not supposed to wither, and whatsoever you do shall prosper. You shall not even faint in the day of heat or adversity. You're supposed to be strong in me and in the power of my might in you. You hear me? You understand what I'm saying? And so we just start receiving from the things of God. And we stay the course, if you will. We stay the course. This is not just a, you know, well, I try it out. No, this ain't about trying out nothing. Try God. No, you don't try God. You repent and submit yourself to God. Hallelujah. I mean, yeah, God says, test me in this concerning the tithe and all. But when it comes to your salvation, when it comes to building a relationship or establishing one with God, this ain't no try thing. This is a life thing. 
Why? Because the minute you repent of your sins and receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, God gives you eternal life. It's no bargain. God's not saying, okay, you're repentant of your sins. You asked me to forgive you. And you want to receive my son Jesus. And so you just want to try this out. Okay, well, I'm going to try this out with you. So if you fail, you're going to die. No, he says, I've given you eternal life. It's like, now what you're going to do with it? You understand? It's like he's not giving you a, 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 a trial of salvation. Like, a, a, okay, I'm going to give you six months probation. I'm going to see how you work out in six months. If you don't work out in six months, that's it. You're fired. No, I give you eternal life. I give you the keys of the kingdom. I give you everything. I give you the treasures of heaven right now. I give you peace that passes all. I give everything to you right now. What will you do with it? I will teach you how to walk it out, how to work it out. But you cannot expect to walk it out, work it out, live it out, and enjoy it if you're going to continue to do the things that I came to save you from. There's no salvation in those things. There's no healing and deliverance in those things. So abandon and forsake those things like a bad habit. Run away from it and run into the everlasting loving arms of Jesus. Okay, I hope that's... Wow. Genesis chapter 12, <clears throat> verse 1. We're going to read. Now the Lord said to Abram, at this time his name was still Abram. Uh, God, in the process of time, will begin to minister to Abraham to the point to where God now changes his name. His name means exalted father, if you will. But God is saying, now I'm going to make you father of many nations. I'm going to broaden your scope. I'm going to give you more that you could ever, than you could ever achieve in your own strength, if you will. And God demonstrates this in that he marries his half-sister, which was in those days okay to do. He marries his half-sister, and his half-sister is incapable of getting pregnant. She is barren, and so she has to bear the shame and humiliation of being barren from the time that they got married up until the time that she was 90 years old, way past childbearing. But God still, through that demonstrating his awesomeness and that I'm taking you from being an exalted father, and one of the things that God said about Abraham's character is that I know Abraham will make his household obey me. Me paraphrasing. I know Abraham will instill in them the virtues that I have instilled in him. In other words, I can trust Abraham with that. Abraham would be recognized as a good ruler of his home, if you will. But I'm also going to take Abraham to another level. To where he's not just an exalted father, but now he's the father of many nations. I'm going to make him a father of those he never knew and they never knew him. Amen. That's just, that's out of the mouth of babes and infants you have perfected praise. I'm going to make him a father of many nations. What he could not accomplish in his own strength and might, 
I'm going to accomplish through my strength and my, my power. I'm going to make the impossible happen for Abraham. So, from exalted father to father of many nations. He says, now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your family, and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And we've read this before. We've heard this before. And each time, I don't know about you, but each time you read it, not only in many instances can you relate to it, but it's like you, 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 the more you do, you experience the, um, the, the, uh, there, there's like a depth of, of, uh, of understanding, but you, you just kind of like feel that, 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 that the, the impact or the effect of what God is saying to him. Here you are. You're growing up in your family, in your household. You're married. But in that day and time, families still dwelt together, or they expanded, if you will. And God said, but you're familiar with them. You're close to them. You have close ties. And it's like, you know, everything is family. This is what is projected even today in today's time. You know, family, the most important thing you can have is family. And it's true to that. Don't misunderstand me. I was talking with one of my sisters the other day, and she said, I just missed Miss the family, if you will. And, and you hear others say the same thing. I just miss the family, if you will. Uh, and, and then you have others that have strong family ties and things like that. And those strong family ties, it's like, you know, no matter what happens, they, they stick together. They stay together, if you will. And so dad is like, you know, because it's got to be one of those kind of families because Abraham uh, and, and his father, uh, uh, Tara, and then he had a brother named Heron, and then I think, I, I forget the other brother's name, but there was like three of them, three brothers in all. And so they had close ties, if you will, and God is saying, come out, come out, come out, come out, come away from them. And so it wasn't an easy thing, because as Abraham comes out, he's not only coming out with Sarah, but his nephew, because his brother has died, his nephew clings to him and says, I want to go with you, Uncle Abraham. And Abraham says, you know, you've been a problem, boy. <laughs> you've been a problem. But since you are my nephew, I'll take you with me. And so he takes Abraham, takes Sarah, his wife, and he takes Lot, his nephew, and his father as well. And they go to a place called Haran. And then from Haran, uh, where, where Terah dies, then they go to Canaan land. And Abraham goes into that land, and he's... Um, surveying, soldiering, and as he's going through, God says, I'm giving you this land. This is going to you and your descendants. And so the thing of it is, is that Abraham had to leave what he was comfortable with, had to leave close ties. I don't think that Abraham grew up in a family where, you know, they were so angry and hateful towards one another that he couldn't wait to break away from them. I believe God was asking Abraham to do something that was very dear and near to his heart, just like he did with Isaac. He goes to, uh, because of the plan of, of having a seed, Sarah comes up with an, with an idea, go into my maid, Hagar, and he goes into Hagar, and they create Ishmael, and Abraham is like, oh, that you would receive Ishmael, and God is like, no. That was the easy way. I'm not calling you to do something easy. I'm calling you to do something great. And so he tells Abraham, no, he, he, he's not the one. I'll take care of him, and I'll bless him, but he's not the one. Isaac 
will be the one. And when he comes, he is going to be the heir. And through him, I'm going to bless the families of the earth. And so Abraham has to deal with, okay, he rejects my son that I did through bad counsel. And so that probably hurt him. Uh, but God has promised him Isaac. So it's like, okay, so the years go by and uh, nothing's happening with Sarah. Then all of a sudden God visits him and then he tells him, oh, by this time next year, you're going to have your son. And so we know the story because it goes on and that following year, uh, Sarah gives birth to Isaac. And then after Isaac comes, then all of a sudden God speaks to Abraham. Okay, Abraham, offer up Isaac to me as a sacrifice. And, and Abraham's like, okay, that's another one of those. God never asked, I shouldn't say never. Um, there are some simple things that he will ask us to do, but we still have a problem with that. But, you know, many of the, the, the things that God asks us to do is greater than ourselves and sometimes very hard for us to say yes to because of the the depth of, of, of attachments and things like that, or he's just calling us out to do something that it's like we're, we're, we're comfortable here, we're happy, we're okay here, and God calls us out to do something different than what we're accustomed to, acclimated to, comfortable with. So God says, offer up Isaac. And Abraham's like, okay, because you told me to come out of Ur, Chaldee, and I came. You told me you're going to bless me with this land, and I believe you are. You told me that you, you know, my son uh, Ishmael is not the one, and I have to accept that. And so now you're telling me to offer up Isaac. Okay, Lord, this too is hard, but I'm going to do it because I trust you. The Bible talks about Abraham and calls him believing Abraham. And why would it say something like that? Because Abraham was always believing God. He believed God. He believed God, and God's, the word of God says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. That put him in right position with God. So he believed and trusted God even in the difficult things, and that's how you have to be as a son of God or a daughter of God. You got to trust God even in the difficult things, things that you can't figure out, things that you, you know, your calculations just don't equate to what God's promises are. I don't see how it can happen, or that's just too much for me. And God is like, no, it's not. If you'll trust me, in your own strength and might, and the way you see life, yeah, it's difficult. But if you'll have faith and trust me, you'll see my goodness and my glory. Amen. I'm almost done. So he says, go from your country, your family, and your father's house. These were, I believe, dear to Abraham. How do we know this? Because even with his father, he stayed with his father until he already had the word to go to Canaan. But he stayed with his father until his father died. And then he moved on. And so he had to leave family, father's house and all, to go to a land that God would show him. He says, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless them who bless you and curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. And everybody said Okay, so it says in the next verse, uh, Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Abram took Sarah, his wife, Lot, his brother, and their possessions that they had accumulated 
and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan. They came to the land of Canaan. Then Abraham passed through the land to the place of Shechem, to the oak of Moray. The Canaanites were in the land at that time. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your descendants, I will give this land. So he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there, he continued on to a mountain to the east of Bethel and pitched his tent. Having Bethel on the west and Ai on the east, there he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Then Abraham continued his journey toward the Negev. And so we see Abraham, number one, or I shouldn't say number one, but one of the things unique about him is that he would build an altar, which meant he would worship God wherever he went. Wherever he went, he, he did not deprive God of what he rightfully deserves is a heartfelt, sincere worship. And even when I believe he um, went in his own wisdom as he continued to journey southward, um, and when he experienced what he experienced, he came back to me, to his senses, and he went back to the place where God had spoke to him. And it's like he recommitted himself to the things of God, to do it God's way and not his own way. Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. He committed himself to do things God's way. He, he, he got back to that place and he called on the name of the Lord as was his custom, if you will. There's just certain things and certain patterns that we should not abandon or forsake or neglect. We don't you know, living in a time and day where we just go and take rocks, like we got these rocks like here, and we just build this altar, and then we offer up animal sacrifices to the Lord. But the Bible says to us in this day and time, under the New Testament, the New Covenant, that we are one to present our own bodies as a living sacrifice, not a dead sacrifice, not throat slit, blood poured out, and then put on the altar and consumed in the fire as an offering of worship unto the Lord. We don't do that, but we present our bodies to him as a living sacrifice, and as the scripture says, holy and acceptable. Acceptable because of the blood of the lamb. Acceptable because of the one who sits at God's right hand. Acceptable because we are his righteousness, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We are in right standing and position, not of our own righteousness, but the righteousness that has come from God. And then he goes on, he says, presenting your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, reasonable service, spiritual worship, not being conformed to this world. That's in Romans chapter 12. Not being conformed to this world. In other words, the patterns the conditions, the, 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 the culture of the world. That's how we were apart from Christ. And I know this is not necessarily new, but here we are in a new year. It's a new day. It's a new decade. We don't want to live things the way we've been living them. We want to get better. We want to grow and we want to see fruit of the things that we have been applying ourselves to. So he says, not being conformed to this world, but being transformed by the renewing of our minds that we may prove, prove, Prove and approve what is his good and acceptable and perfect will, which means we can do this. 
we can do this. We can do this by the conditioning, if you will. We can do this by the, the, the sanctifying that we can't do ourselves, but God does for us. We simply do those things that he tells us to do. In other words, I go home. Um, and, and I'm smelling because I've been working out in the yard or something like that, and I stink, and there's a shower in my house, and then I go in the house, and I ignore the shower. But I expect the body to smell better. You can relate to that. Until I get in that shower and wash that stench off, it, the stench will remain with me. The shower is there. For me to take advantage of. But if I refuse to do so, then I remain in that state and condition. Like so with the word of the living God. The shower is there. God doesn't want me to be conformed to this world. Well, I was raised up in this world. I'm a byproduct of this world. I have the habits and patterns and ways of the culture of this world. I'm in the very thing that everybody is saying that's the worst thing that could ever happen to a human being. I'm in the thick of that. How is it that I cannot be conformed to this world any longer? I got to be transformed. And until I take this as my transformation, as my cleansing, as my sanctification, I can never expect to change my ways from the ways that he has delivered me from. Does that make sense? The bad patterns, the bad habits, the bad language, the bad treatment, all of the bad things that are of the world. As long as I ignore this, I will never be able to be free from that. But because I have submitted spirit, soul, and body unto the Lord, it's like, wash me. Cleanse me, sanctify me, perfect the things that concern me. Give me those tough challenges that you gave Abraham. Because through your word and my trust and confidence in you and your word, I know I can make those difficult decisions. Because you promised something great that I cannot accomplish or achieve in my own strength or might. It's better than anything that I had planned for myself. Therefore, I'm taking your way. That makes sense. Give the Lord a hand of praise. Hallelujah. Say, this year will be different. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Today I have been taught the word of God. I boldly confess. My mind was alert. My heart was receptive. I have received the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the word of God. I am never going to be the same. Never, never, never going to be the same. I am never going to be the same in Jesus' name. If you truly believe that, give the Lord a hand of praise. Father, we thank you. We celebrate you. We celebrate what you've done. May you continue to work in each and every one of our lives that we may be fruitful in every good work that we do. Oh, God, let there be increase. Let there be growth. Let there be maturity in our lives to reflect your goodness. And we thank you. 
Now the Lord our God bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you, be gracious unto you, lift up his countenance on you and give you his peace. His name be over you and your household that he may bless you, that you may enjoy the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And above all else, you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. That the powers of hell, the gates of hell will not prevail against you nor your family, but you will, you will prevail over them because of who you are and whose you are. The Lord bless you everywhere you go. Bless the works of your hands. Order your steps. Direct your path. Guide you with this eye. In Jesus' name, everybody who agrees, said amen. amen. Greet your neighbor. We won't be coming together to the altar tonight. Enjoy.